Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in OK State podcast. We're glad you're back with the whole crew in action this week. That's right. Meg is back from Europe. Listen, we're here to discuss conference realignment, the future of college football, and where OSU fits in the grand scheme of all of this. But, Eve, first, I mean, we got to hear from our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from pro and college basketball to UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online live betting options, free contests, and live sports for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head over to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Betonline.ag, where the game starts. So, but so... I mean, for the people that are just like listening, they don't get to see all of the swag that we got going on here. Can you can you like put this into words? Look, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about uniforms and jerseys, right? So we said, what is it that you actually wear to a cowboy football game? Like the best jersey and uniform that you could wear to a cowboy football game. And we kind of just came to a consensus forced Megan's hand a little bit, right? We we're like, yo, you, you, you gonna join us on this? She was like, yeah, guys, why not? But yeah, we are rocking the orange Oklahoma State baseball jerseys, right? I thought, you know, you know, nice little clean look. To be honest with y'all, I don't have that much orange left in my closet ever since graduating from Oklahoma State. So I like was so excited to jump on board and purchase this. So yeah, here we are looking like a real squad supporting men men's baseball as well as the women's softball team. You dig? Yeah. That's right. Got all the spring sports covered. And Meg, I can't wait for this upcoming football season. Of course, Batoba, you're gonna have to journey, make your journey to the game. I'll be here rocking rocking the jerseys. And if anybody else out there listening wants to join in on the fun, it's only like what eighty dollars to get an Oklahoma State orange baseball jersey. So you know, eighty dollars to look this fresh. Come on now, like. Yo, no brain, bro. Like, I love the font. I lo- I just love the way that it is. Man, there's there's nothing wrong with this. This is just so slick. I can't believe this is my first time ever even wearing an Oklahoma State baseball jersey. But, man, this ain't going to be the last one. Now, I think my next one is going to be the pinstripe one. The pinstripe? Oh, pinstripe is. Yes, chef's kiss. That's why it costs a little bit extra. We got the cheaper, <laughs> cheaper version here. Uh, it was between but, the pinstripes yeah. and the cream, that 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 creamsicle one that they got going on. So hmm. you know, one of those two was next. I just I love I love the bat, the state yeah. bat. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just it's just this is just a good look. And Eve, I love how you said that you were without orange in your wardrobe. Meanwhile, I'm trying to add to my collection. But even before even before I I moved to Oklahoma and took the job at Oklahoma State. I have orange is my favorite color. It's been my favorite color since I was little. So I have an orange couch. I have an orange oh, accent chair. I have orange things all over. My mom's like, you need to stop. I'm like, do I? Do I? You don't. You don't. Keep it going. I to add more orange to the wardrobe. Can never go wrong. It was meant to be. Orange juice every morning. Um, <laughs> 
Yo, this was meant to be. I, the only thing I'm upset about, Meg, is that you didn't have this while you were overseas in Italy and you couldn't rep it's true. Know, Cowboy Nation while you were, you know. Would have made a great photo op at the Coliseum. I'm sorry. Oh, you know, well, I'm sorry. I know I left. I left literally hours before it arrived yeah. at my doorstep. So my neighbor had to pick it up for me. But next, next trip, I mean, that, that will not be my last time in Italy or Europe. Uh, it might be a while before I'm back in Italy, but I'm sure I'll be in Europe pretty, pretty soon, hopefully, okay. within the next year or two. Or, you know, some other international destination. You never know. I can't remember if we talked about it. Did you, did you say that you've been to Barcelona before? I have been to Barcelona. Yes, okay. I have been to Barcelona. My favorite city. Yes. Yeah, my favorite city. I, I remember visiting Barcelona and saying to myself, I'm finding a job here. I need to work for FC Barcelona or something. But yeah, that didn't I want to go back to Barcelona because I travel. I studied abroad this summer between my junior and senior year of college. And we stayed, my college owned a castle in the Netherlands. So I lived in the Netherlands for a summer. Um, but I digress. We did a school trip to Venice. And then I did... Barcelona for like six days after that and after you're like on this school trip where you're studying for like eight to ten hours a day and it's just like in and out of churches and everything I, I feel like I didn't fully appreciate Barcelona because I was like I just want to sit and do nothing because mentally I am like drained so Barcelona is on my list of places to go back to as well as like Madrid and other parts of Spain. Hey whatever happened to college football teams playing overseas? Ireland. It used to be a pretty normal thing like I remember Whenever, well, I don't remember, but Barry Sanders, whenever he won the Heisman Trophy, he gave his acceptance speech via satellite from Tokyo, Japan, because Oklahoma State was playing against Texas Tech in Tokyo. And I'm like, yeah. how come it doesn't happen anymore? Is it just because there's too much money here in the U.S.? But that would be so dope if we could go oh. watch Oklahoma State playing in, you know, in Spain or something. I would hate that. Like, <laughs> I mean, first of all, you're probably taking away an opportunity to play at Boone Pickens Stadium. So we're losing a game automatically. Uh, hardly anybody is going to be able to travel for that. So it's going to be the local people that are in the area that are going to be drawn to it. And, you know, I mean, that's cool for them, but I'm missing out on it. And then you're going to watch the game at what, two in the morning? Like, I don't know. I'm not feeling it, man. Not feeling it. Right, you're so selfish. Well, so, okay. So they do, don't do like the, I forget what it's called, like the Shamrock series or something. Yeah, I know he's playing Ireland. That is a thing. That's happened in recent years. I think Northwestern played there last year. I know Notre Dame has played uh, there in recent years. I mean, not as far as Tokyo. Uh, but Justin, see, I I don't know if people wouldn't travel because people – and I know that the NFL is different than college football, but I went to the Eagles-Jaguars game at Wembley Stadium in 2018, and there were so many people that traveled and so many people that I know personally we were like at Buckingham Palace and we turn around and like our neighbors there I'm like, oh, hello, like you're here. Then you turn around again. And so there are a handful of people that traveled that I personally knew. But then you also see all the Eagles fans, all the Jags fans, you know, plus all the people from other countries that are like, this is NFL. I want to go. I want to go see it. So. I think that people might make maybe not as far as like Japan because Japan's pretty far. But I think if you get a game in like Europe or Mexico or somewhere where it's not quite as far, you might get some people make a trip out of it. You never know. Maybe. I mean, the people that probably are well-traveled, the people that already have passports and don't mind spending that kind of money, then, yeah, I mean, they might they might make that trip. But for the majority of fans, I think that that's going to be tough for them. Yeah, well, you're just reaching a new fan base, right? Would you would you go to Canada? 
I would. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like go to Canada to watch Oklahoma State play, like yeah. versus KU. Heck yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about like, am I going to go to BYU? And that's <laughs> in the continental United States. So, yo, if a schedule release comes out in March and you see, hey, November 17th, I'm just making up a date, Oklahoma State is going to be playing against in Canada, know, November in, in Canada, in London, in London. Mm. That that so my first couple of seasons in the NFL so 2015 and 2016 we played back to back years in London right we played the New York Jets and we played the Jacksonville Jaguars back to back years English fans did not know what in the world they were watching they didn't know the rules they didn't know you know what a first down was nothing but every single time somebody did anything they erupted like they went crazy they went ham you saw Dolphins jerseys Jets jerseys Jaguars jerseys all over the streets of the UK. And that was just really cool, right? To see that international market get engaged. I would love it if we went overseas one day and we just saw orange flooding the streets of whatever city we were in. That would be dope to me. Cool. Let's that would be cool. There's uh, a lot that we go behind it. I know for the NFL, those are borderline international brands already. Oklahoma State, I just, you know, it's going to take a little bit more. Well, going to take a little bit more. Those Jaguars were out there, and those were that was definitely not an international record <laughs> whenever they went out there. Uh, now, I mean, I will say though, there's um, I completely lost my train of thought. I completely, yeah, I forgot where about I was the going. Jaguars. It was about Oklahoma State, but yeah, I just mm. my mind just went blank. I know that, yeah, the national presence for Oklahoma State, I think, is pretty big. Like I can, uh, you know, think of Oklahoma State fans and different states across the nation but when it comes to international stuff like even whenever barry sanders was in tokyo japan playing texas tech i mean i don't know if i ever saw a picture of what that crowd looked like but i mean how many people were wearing orange versus you know how many people were wearing the red and black for the red raiders i don't know right i don't know more reason why we need to infiltrate (laughs) just infiltrate I tell you what, man, there's all this talk right now about conference realignment. Let's go ahead and get some of those teams overseas being in our conference, right? Just make that a regular yearly thing. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, speaking of, you know, just traveling and getting new teams and, uh, you know, conference realignment, did y'all right. hear the rumor about Colorado potentially wanting to let, you know, to get back into the the, the Big 12 conference? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I was kind of joking around on Twitter, of course, but I, I tweeted out, I said, uh, are we really getting excited about the worst team in the Pac-12 joining the Big 12? And, you know, I'm giving them a hard time. It's like, I would love to see Colorado come back. Uh, I've kind of, I didn't like grow up a Colorado fan by any means, but I didn't have like a disdain for them like I do for other particular schools. Um, But it is interesting. I, I would like to see them come back. And I think that there's a lot of potential, especially if Deion Sanders can elevate that program and have some sort of coaching rivalry between Deion Sanders and Mike Gundy. Like, how fun would that be? <laughs> Yo, talk about polar opposites, right? Just two completely different people having a rivalry. Hey, I would love it. I would dig it. I, it's, it would be hard to root against Deion Sanders, though, I'm not going to lie, especially being a former DB that I am. Uh, I mean, I – We'll see what happens with all this conference realignment. But if Colorado came, I said this to you yesterday in the text, someone else would also have to come because you need yep. that even number, you know, or do you just well, have an odd number conference and you just do the top two teams and you don't play everybody? Cause I mean like in the sec, you don't play everybody in the sec. You play everyone in the 
East or the West, but even the way that the Big 12 is designed this year, you don't play everybody. So what does it matter if you don't have if you don't have divisions? We, we don't have divisions as is. Yeah. I mean, well, that's how it was whenever I first got to Oklahoma State. Like, I remember in 2010, we were Big 12 Division South champs. Like, or, yeah, we were in the Southern Division technically, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. South Division champions. And I, I still have the ring for that. That's, like, probably the rarest ring that I own because there's no more Big 12 South. But, like, that's also one of my favorite, like, best designed rings with the football on it. You remember that one, Justin? Like, that I one got was, it, yeah. Yeah, that, that one was clean. But, I mean, Megan, you're talking about another team having to join them. Whenever Colorado left, guess who left with them? Nebraska. Nebraska, go ahead and come on back to the Big 12 Conference. You know dang well that your recruiting has taken a huge hit ever since you left the conference. Nobody from Texas plays in Nebraska anymore because it's just too far away and uh, they don't have competition anywhere near the state. Here's the thing, though, with that. Okay, so it's funny we were talking about this because I was just talking about this with people I was with in Italy about Nebraska and how their re recruiting has gone down it. the drain since. Yo. All. So you're but. in Italy talking about Nebraska. I'm around a bunch of men. Like, what do you think they talk about all day? Sports. I love it. And football. Um, but I digress. Uh, so, but if so, Nebraska's Big Ten and Colorado's Pac-12. So if you lose a team from the Big Ten, you know what I'm saying? Like. I think that this is where conference realignment is going to get confusing because is it always going to have to be a package deal where USC can't go to the Big Ten without UCLA or another team? And like Texas and OU are going to the SEC. So would you always have to have a pair or is it just going to get kind of convoluted? Like when was the last time that we had a team realigned? Because it was Mizzou and A&M that went to SEC. the SEC. And then there was all that realignment with like Syracuse and the Big East and everybody. There were a bunch of teams that all kind of shifted around when that was when Syracuse joined the ACC, right? And right. they rearranged the Big East. But like, are you going to have to have a pair to go or are teams just going to be able to start going? No, it doesn't have to be paired. I think like it can also be offset by independent teams like BYU. They weren't in a conference, Notre Dame, if they end up joining a conference. Uh, Notre Dame's in the ACC. They're just not for, for football. football. Yeah. That's a whole. People forget Notre Dame's in the ACC, just not football's independent, which is different. But there's talks that Notre Dame could potentially become non-independent for football, but that's bigger picture because it's not its not like Army. Army's independent for everything. Hey, Army, we got a spot for you. We're in the Big 12 now. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I tell you what, <laughs> I think it was the 2013 season that we ended up – did we play Army? Who, who was it that we played? No, no, scratch that. We never played Army. It was UTSA. We played – no, sorry, UTEP. <laughs> we played UTEP in 2000. It was probably UTSA, they were thinking. Was it? It was like their yeah. inaugural season. I guess it was UTSA. My Road, bad. Roadrunners probably. Yeah, yeah. So UTSA. <laughs> we played UTSA. Um, I was gone. So I was – I had already uh, – I was no longer on the football team. But I remember talking to Sean Lewis. He was a linebacker, number 11 on the team. Everybody knows Sean Lewis, freshman All-American. Mm -hmm. Everybody's heart, right? Um, so Sean Lewis was telling me after that game that that was the chippiest game that he had ever been a part of. Like, everybody was afraid that they were going to get hurt um, because they took a lot of the same type of 
ethos that they have in those military schools, Army, Navy, all those other schools, and brought it over mm-hmm. to UTSA. And he just talked about how, man, if there was one team that I hope I'd never face again, it's UTSA. Because they just they just kept going after the play, and they kept doing all this chippy stuff. And when people hit the ground, they would tug their jersey. They would hit them here. And I was like, yeah, you know what? It's probably a good thing that we're, we're not playing any of those military schools because um, I've heard the same thing from folks at Notre Dame when I worked there. Whenever they would play Army and Navy, they said the same things. Like they were just trained differently, and uh, it was pretty miserable for them. I stand corrected. Army's in the Patriot League for everything but football. Football, they are independent. Gotcha. But I don't know. Could you so, the SEC? Or but back to that, I don't think that necessarily it has to be an even team every single time, like picking two or four teams to come in because I think eventually – it could be to the point where the SEC or the Big Ten, they just get their pick of the litter and then decide, Rutgers, you're out of here. Like, they can just drop off, like, the teams that they don't want anymore. Yeah. And who's going to stop them? Like, I mean, what, are they just going to, like, find them, pay pay Rutgers to leave and then see well, you later? Vanderbilt, every single, out of here? A lot more convoluted than that when you talk about the legislation and the business of college sports, right? Every single – uh, conference is made up of a board. You have your administrators as well as your presidents, your chancellors, and your athletic directors. And it has to be a type of vote. You can't just kick somebody out because you're the commissioner. So, you know, all that would take place. It's hard to imagine anybody leaving the Big Ten Conference because they actually, school has the highest profit share, um, even higher. Right. Than That's why you mentioned Nebraska coming back. I'm like, there's no chance. Like, they're, they're locked They in. won't come back be- if you're talking about it purely from that revenue standpoint. But if they ever want to win and be relevant again, it's probably in their best interest to leave the Big Ten Conference. I don't know if I – I mean, I think I need a couple of years of Matt Rule to see oh what he God. can yeah. do. I don't know. I mean, I don't – I mean, the other thing is, like – You can this- recruit in Texas. And Big Ten, I mean, they're like a national conference now. They've they've got coast to coast. That's why I think like I I would encourage Dr. Shrum and Chad Weiberg to actually like not settle for the Big Twelve. I would rather go to the Big Ten at this point. I think no. that they're just they're taking off and they're about to leave all these other smaller conferences behind. Yeah, Big 12, Pac-12, ACC. I mean, I think it's just going to be – it's going to morph into a power too. Like those are the rumors, and I just – I see it happening. Yeah, I see that happening. But you, you've you heard me say it time and again, um, time and time again, Brett Yormark. I just believe in his vision. It seems like he is setting us up the right way. And if there were going to be some power conferences, I think that the Big 12 would be in the mix at least within the next five years. So – I'm holding off the same way that the same way that Meg is holding off for Matt Rule. I'm holding off for your mark. I like it, but at the same time, I can see that just being like delaying the inevitable because mm. we're adding teams like Colorado and potentially Arizona State and Arizona and Utah. Like these aren't like premier Pac-12 teams that are coming to the Big 12. And the Big Ten, they're going out and getting USC, UCLA. SEC is going out and getting OU in Texas. So I just feel like the gap is widening almost to a point where you can't recover from it. Yeah. I mean, I see your point, Justin. I just have so many like mixed feelings. Well, first of all, I think conference realignment overall is bad for the sport. I think it's getting ridiculous. I think that. Agreed. I mean, I think if you want to have one big reorganization where it's something like the NFL in the sense that, I mean, I know that you have the AFC East where you have Miami in that, which is like 
yes, you're the East Coast, but you're also in the South. So I understand that it's not it's not perfect, but it's a lot more regionally based, at least when New England plays Miami or Buffalo plays Miami, vice versa. It's in the same time zone. You're not flying yeah. like, you know, I remember seeing something with USC and UCLA, people like, like people realizing on the West Coast, oh, my team's kickoff on a Saturday. There's going to be a lot of 9 a.m. kickoffs when they're playing away because the entire Big 12 conference with the or Big 10 conference, with the exception of those two teams, is pretty much in the Eastern and Central time zones. So that's like, not that viewership's going to change, but it's just going to be a lot, a lot different. And I just think that with all of this realignment, it's bad for the sport because you're going to have these power conferences, but also could those power conferences be detrimental because when you have to play Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State every year, you're not going to have as it's good and bad because I think that it's going to affect some of the front runners and you're going to have that one loss, but then are you going to see two lost teams getting into the playoffs? You know what I'm saying? Like, does that make sense? Do I have, I think think that it makes sense. And I tend to agree with you, Meg. I don't, I'm not a big fan of conference realignment for a lot, a couple different things. Like geographically, some things just don't make sense. right? Right. College football is already pretty regionalized. If you can make it make sense within the regions, that would be even better. So I like even the idea of putting divisions, right? It's north, south, east, west within there. But in order for that to ever happen, you would have to completely blow up the model within the NCAA. College football would have to have its own commissioner and do things that way so that there's not all these different conferences operating as independent go- governing bodies. Um, there would have to be just a lot more consistency across the board. And I don't know if we'll ever get there, but you know, never say never, especially right now. It looks like Nick Saban, uh, has been talking about he wants a unionized model like the NFL has uh, because it would help address problems um, like what we we're just talking about, but also with NIL and, and parity in college football. Yeah, I don't mean, I, Eve, you, you were in the NFL for a little bit, like on the player development side of that. So I, I don't really know how that would necessarily help with unionizing like Saban's talking about, but do you see like where he's going with that? Like, are there positives to that or is that just setting it up to be more like we're going more toward the NFL. We're going more toward two power conferences, big 10 sec. And then everybody else is kind of like a subdivision of college football moving forward. And then these two are the premier conferences and they play each other. And then we got the playoff based out of that. Like that's how I kind of see this moving forward. And I feel like Saban is almost driving that based on another angle, which is to unionize, the aspect of, you know, NF or NIL and, and things like that. So I think Saban was a little bit tongue in cheek whenever he said the word unionized, because that would imply that each one of these athletes are also employees. And we know that the NCAA does not want to label these guys as employees. There is no pay for play model. They're getting paid for their independent name, image and likeness and not for their performance on the field. Allegedly, right? Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> but I mean, you you know how it goes, man. Everything that Saban says also has an ulterior motive behind it, typically revolved around yes. how can I get a competitive edge in recruiting against, you know, Ole Miss or Florida State or whoever else. So, you know, I, I spent a lot of time um, looking at the different unions within different leagues, right? I have relationships at the NBPA, the NFLPA, as well as um, the N- uh, MLS's uh, Players Association. And one thing that I've learned is that if you don't have a solid legal counsel on the top, um, as well as players who really understand what it means to have, uh, you know, 
the, the proper representation within your team, all of that stuff is just going to fall apart. And not just any players, but players that are actually meaningful and impactful to the sport. So, you know, we've seen different groups in the past, right? You saw a group at Northwestern. We saw a group at UCLA of student athletes that tried to come together and form a type of union. But I think that it's going to take a whole bunch of star power, uh, almost like whenever Trevor Lawrence, back when he was at Clemson, or Justin Fields, decided, hey, I know that there's supposed to be a lockdown right now, but we want to play football. And they came out, essentially willed college football into happening, right? So that's the type of power that it's going to take. And I just don't know if there's going to be enough um, people galvanizing um, across the country in order to make that happen. Nice. Well, that's kind of it on as far as like college football news. Uh, it's kind of like peak off season almost. So how about we jump back to – Baseball, softball, like looking pretty hot to finish out the season. So uh, what do we got here? Call it Cowboy Baseball earned the 11th seed in the NCAA tournament after finishes, finishing as runners-up in the Big 12 tournament this past weekend. So they're going to host ORU, Dallas Baptist, and Washington at O'Brate Stadium. Pretty brutal. Uh, pretty brutal regional if we uh, consider that three of those four teams have won 40-plus games this season. Uh, but the pokes are going to be tested, so if they come out on top, they're going to be looking really good for Omaha. Uh, OSU plays ORU Friday at 6 p.m. And uh, fun fact, guys, this year marks the 48th NCAA regional appearance in Oklahoma State baseball history, the fourth most all time. Not bad. Pretty good. There's and a, then uh, Cowgirls. These jerseys. That's man. right. Yeah, we've got a rep. I mean, you're doing your part. We'll do our part. You know. We'll Before you move on to couch. softball, Justin. Yeah. Also, two of two of the teams that we played, Dallas Baptist and ORU, we've already played them in midweek right. contests this year and contests and lost to both of them. I'm not saying like what. The good news is we don't have to play them on Tuesday. Right, but also not not like not saying that that's a bad thing. Like, is there an advantage to having already? played these teams and you know you kind of yeah you lost but what did you learn and how how can you yeah yeah i can see that i don't really know too much about baseball but if we're going to relate it back to football i think that yeah there's definitely value in knowing your opponent a little bit more than if you were just going into it blindly like i don't know anything about this team and let's study some film and try to figure out tendencies and call up other coaches and see how we can get an advantage. Like, I don't know how all that works, but yeah, if you played them before, then you know what to expect at least. Yeah. I'm not even going to pretend like I know anything about baseball. Right. Especially like film study. The baseball players watch film. I know that, uh, you know, basketball players hardly watch. Film. I know coaches will watch film, but do the players actually watch film and study tendencies and things like that? I have no clue. Uh, my favorite film study story was uh, back in, it must have been the 20, I think it was the 2011 season. And Texas Tech was, wasn't was looking back. No, it was 2010. It was definitely 2010. Texas Tech was having a pretty solid start to the year. And I remember, I believe it was Markel Martin, who was, you know, our superstar All-American safety at the time. And he came to the defensive, um, he, he went up to the defensive coordinator and said, hey, every single time that the quarterback, at Texas Tech lines up this certain way, it's a run. Like, rest assured, it's going to be a run no matter what. So I, he remember he gave him that little tip. We practiced that that week, and 
sure enough, that's exactly what we saw. And I don't think he even realized that he did it, but just a little tip that Markel was able to pick up on. And we went out there and we just dominated them and blew them out that game. For like the four times a game that they run the ball, like Texas Tech, well, complete air raid. Like, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. And you know what? I think another one of those, another one of the tips or hints that he got was like when it's going to be a short pass, a quick pass versus, uh, you know, him going through his progressions, middle of the field and, and, and deep. But either way, I, I say it all the time, like Markel is the smartest football player that I've ever been around. Like it's no wonder that he's a coach right now. But those little uh, bit of tendencies, they're in film study, man. They go a long way. So baseball, if y'all do that, do that, please. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what baseball does. I, I love the movie Moneyball. Uh, but, I mean, that just mainly deals with the analytics side of things. So I don't know how much film study there is. I guess there's film study, sure. Um, but it's very situational stuff, you know, very situational. So more power to him. Like y'all just running that thing. So I think Meg knows more about film study than probably any of us on here. Cause you just took a, a course recently, right? Like then you take a class or master class in film study, right? <laughs> Films. It I was more on, <laughs> sorry. I was like, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily on film study. It was more on like, I don't want to say learning football because I have an understanding of football, but just kind of getting more in depth with the personnel, personnel yeah. and situation, yeah. which I think Oklahoma so, State used to put on like coverage. women's football 101 and they would get to learn about like women would get to sign up and learn about Oklahoma State or football in general, but obviously through the lens of what it looks like at Oklahoma State. And I don't think they've been doing that since COVID, but I, I hope they bring it back. Like I think that that was – that's a pretty cool deal. Bring it back. And I think it's something too that like not not just women, but like men who have never played the game. It's so it's complex. It's so technical. And I have a good understanding on the sense that I can watch a game and know what's going on and understand certain situations and and all of that. But when it comes to like routes and in this situation, this player does this and this player does that, and this is what a four three does versus a three four and how they're so different, like I never played the game and I've never had to study film like that. So I didn't fully understand. And now that I've done that, I have my like 50 page notebook of yeah. all of the, the screen grabs of different yeah. things and, and blocking schemes. And that's more of what it was like blocking schemes and, and all of that. And uh, football needs to come back. So I can just, I literally would watch games with my yeah. notebook and like so, study. And it's, it's a lot. So anyone who's like, Oh, football players are, I'm sorry. You can't be a football player and be stupid. I mean, like Absolutely. to learn a playbook I'm just like that's yeah so yeah. it's no, a lot you be, you, you, there's a uh and actually from moneyball which i was just referencing but there's a mickey mantle quote from that where he says um it's unbelievable how much you've been playing your whole life and it's like that's so true like you i mean until you like really dive into it deep it's like that unbelievable like, how what it's unbelievable how little or how much you don't know about the game you've been playing your whole life. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, and you, you sit know back what? and think you about would... how much you actually know about football. And like, I don't think I would be able to write it all down. It's crazy. You, so you might be surprised by how many guys enter the NFL and they have so much to learn. Like there's a huge learning curve, not just about their new playbook, but just about football one oh one like having to go mm-hmm. back to football school and learn all of these things that Meg just went through. Like seriously. 
like so much of that just doesn't get taught anymore by by, by coaches, right? So yeah, there's a huge learning curve and you don't realize that it takes a level of genius. Like these people are really geniuses in their art. The only people that get a pass that don't really have to know is defensive tackles. I mean, like defensive tackle has one job every single play. All right. So get the guy with the, with the football. Just go. <laughs> Everybody else. Yo, there's, there's a lot of complexity there. Well, two things to say to that, Eve. And the one, the one is not just the football one-on-one, but also the different rules between college and NFL, just the tiny, the tiny little thing. The, the one that really comes to mind is the toe tap and having to get two feet down versus one foot down in college. That's a huge difference. Two feet versus one. Like how many catches have you seen in the NFL or non catches that would have been catches had he got his foot down on the green and not the white, you know, and just learning that new behavior when you've played how many years already and you only needed one. And as a receiver, okay, now you need to get that muscle memory to get that second foot in and the, the awareness and the top tier receivers, you see them do it all the time. Their awareness of where they are, are on the field is absolutely insane. Yeah. So. If you're, if you're a college football receiver and you take the game seriously, you're going to be practicing two feet down, even though it only requires one, you're going to be practicing that for sure. If you hope to have any future in the NFL, because you know that that's what, that's your ultimate goal. Yeah. Tony toe tap. Second thing is I watched American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story nice. on one of my flights yesterday, coming back. Um, and again, and I don't- UCO was featured in that, you know, I saw, I saw, uh, I was it that. Wantland Field Stadium? Have, have uh, you guys seen it? Have you guys seen, no, seen, I haven't it? seen it? I've seen it. Yeah. So obviously it's based on him. I don't know if everything is 100% true, but when Kurt Warner gets the call from the Packers, he goes up to Green Bay and they call his number to go in and he goes, Right now, I'm not I'm not ready. I don't know the playbook yet. Ask me again tomorrow. And he was cut later that day for not. And like on the one hand, you're like, okay, I see what you're doing. You don't want to look bad, but this is your one shot. Right. So, you know, even Kurt Warner is the saying, oh, I don't know the playbook. And look at him now. Hall of Famer. uh, One of the best to ever play the position. But my point is that to your point about learning the playbook, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And learn that playbook. Don't don't tell the coach. No, I don't want to go in. Okay. The best ability is availability, and the best way to make yourself available, <laughs> make sure that you're trusted with that playbook. It's true. I don't know how we went from talking about baseball to that, but <laughs> you're talking about film study and it's playbook. A slippery like slope. My film study. That's right. That's right. Uh, and then we've got uh, finishing out here with uh, Cowgirls softball returning to Oklahoma City for the women's. College World Series for the fourth consecutive year. They enter as the number six national seed after dominating Oregon in the Super Regional. That was a lot of fun. Um, So they're going to play Florida State on Thursday. So if you're listening on Thursday, tonight at 6 p.m. at USA Softball Hall of Fame Stadium in Oklahoma City. And the game will be televised on ESPN. So just support the Pokes all the way around. Does it seem like we're always playing Florida State, or is that just me? Like, <laughs> or like maybe specifically a- like softball, or are you talking like just in general? Because yeah, softball, softball specifically. Maybe it's just a Florida team they thing. Played Florida, I want to say in nineteen. Yeah, I remember nineteen. State. Which, by the way, one of my favorite Oklahoma State softball moments. Period was two thousand nineteen. Samantha Show. She that hit two homers. Two homers in the game, 
And they were just they just kept talking about how bat flips were so classless, this, this, and that. <laughs> she hit that homer, looked at them, flipped that thing right over there, jogged the base. I loved every single thing about that. I don't care if it's not classy. That was lit. And I hope that we can do that again against Florida State. Well, that was Florida, and this is Florida State. Well, yeah. Well, since we're playing Florida State now, I hope we can do that against Florida State. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I was I got to talk to Sam when she was in town for a bedlam a month ago, I guess. She was also, I asked her about that bat flip. She was like, that was not planned. That was just heat of the moment. Because Florida had knocked, when she was at AM, Florida had knocked them out of the tournament. And so just to get those hits against Florida, she was like, oh, this yeah. is sweet revenge. Yeah, you know, I'm all about the trash talk. I'm all about the talk noise. <clears throat> I like the showboating, all that. Well, you know, I'm 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 a DB. You know how we are, man. You got you got to talk a little bit. You got to. Mm. And then I roast you, and then I do all the talking, and you know how that goes. So never happened. What? Only because we're <laughs> only because we were both on scout team. <laughs> yeah, we never we never faced. <laughs> uh, still had good times so. though. No doubt. Uh, hey, like, share, comment, subscribe, all of that. And as always, go Pokes. Go Pokes. Go Pokes.